This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. Welcome to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett. Good morning, Carol. How in the heck are you? I am so good, Mal. How are you? I'm well. I'm I'm eating. I, there's just so much food here in the studio this morning. We've we've had cookies uh, uh, that Kevin made, and and then you've been on a trip. Sometimes we travel outside the American South, even though this is a show about the culture of Southern flavor. And uh, recently, you were somewhere else. Yes, I was. But my purpose had to do with the American South. Um, I had the very last-minute opportunity to go to Austria last week. Mm. and To Vienna. It, to Vienna, yes. And it was my first big post-COVID trip since January of 2020. Oh. And it was, it was a little scary getting back out there. Yeah. But I went for a very Deep South reason, and that was to see our good friend— and musician William Garfield Walker, a young conductor from Jackson, Mississippi, perform at one of the most storied music halls in the world. And that music hall is? The Music Verein. Oh, okay. It's the Carnegie Hall of Of, Austria. okay. And he actually performed in the Brahms Hall in that beautiful place. And he conducted uh, what orchestra? He conducted his own symphony. His own. Now, this is a Mm 28-year-old who, during COVID, you know, all musicians were just paralyzed. In fact, William was in Munich at the time when Merkel closed, you know, closed the borders. He was working with a, a famous conductor on an opera, and between the first rehearsal and the second... They closed all the opera houses, you know, hotels, the borders. Mm. So instead of sitting around bemoaning, um, you know, his fate as a musician, William founded an orchestra, and it's called Nova Orchestra Vienne, which means Vienna. Mm -hmm. And it's made up of, of young musicians, you know, younger musicians that are normally in the Viennese Philharmonic but anyway, it, it was just so proud of him and to see another Mississippian step on the world stage. I know Marshall Ramsey has interviewed him both on the radio show and television show. Well, great. And he's, um, as you say, a local uh, Jackson uh, person who went to Jackson Public Schools. and He went to Casey. Yeah, he went, went to Chastain. Mm-hmm. He went to Murrah. And, you know, it's just such a great example of what the arts do for all of us. He he saw his first symphony when he was at Casey, and they bused Jackson Public School students to Thalyamara Hall to see the symphony. That was the first time he had ever seen, you know, a, a live performance like that. And Crafton Beck was actually the conductor, you know, who is still our conductor today. So it had a profound effect on him. Now, you know that Casey uh, is a whole school, and so you and I 
we worked many years at the Mississippi Arts Commission, which created, funded, and promoted um, arts-based uh, curriculum in, in schools. And Casey uh, is one of those schools that is uh, an arts-based um, public school in, in Jackson. So but without knowing it, you and I were involved in all that. Of course, of course we were. And although I went for music, the rest of the trip was about food. And let's as you talk know, about As you know, since I was sending you pictures. Beautiful. You and Java. Picture. Java and I were salivating here in America. I was only thinking of you. Yeah, but you have to tell me about the, uh, the dish that I have often heard about, but I've never seen anyone eat. The goulash. The goulash. Well, the goulash was outstanding. I think the Austrian version is a little different, but it originated in um, Hungary. But in Austria, they make it with the dumpling. And mm-hmm. I'm not just talking about any old dumpling. Right. I am talking about a dumpling the size of a baseball. Gotcha. Not a softball, but a... <laughs> A baseball, gotcha. and it's okay. about that hard. It could be potatoes, it could be uh, a breaded dumpling, but it sits in the bowl of goulash. And the goulash, of course, is a rich stew made with meats and vegetables, lots of paprika, tomatoes and onions, and it was delicious. Yeah, it looked great. Uh, it, it looked like the uh, soup broth was... Uh, you couldn't see the vegetables, so it looked like it had been pureed or something. Yes, I, I think it, I think it had been um, it had been pureed. I'm showing you across here the picture. <clears throat> How about that dumpling? Oh, I see the the, the meat in there, uh, and was that sour cream in the middle with chives? I don't know. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. But the other dish, the national dish of Austria, is the, the Wiener, Wiener Schnitzel. And it's not Wiener. No, it's Wiener Schnitzel. Wiener Schnitzel, <laughs> because Vienna is Vienna. Right. It's and the, it's not Vienna sausages. It is not Vienna sausages, which I really, uh, you know, I could have cheated and run to the grocery store and bought y'all a can of Vienna sausages, but I did not. <laughs> no, 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 no. We have this famous cake in the yeah. studio. Yeah, but let, let me go back to Wiener Schnitzel for right. just a minute. You know, it's an official Wiener schnitzel is a thin, breaded, pan-fried veal cutlet. Right. They pound them really, really thin. And, uh, you know, it's tossed with bread. It's, you know, soaked in an egg wash, tossed with breadcrumbs, and crisply fried. Mm. Yeah. It's so the cousin good. to the uh, country fried steak or chicken, chicken fried, fried steak. steak. Malcolm, you're so smart. The chicken fried steak was originated in Austin, Texas at Threadgill's, by the way. Malcolm, you are so, so smart. And you know how it got there? In the there? American South. Yes, it <laughs> got there because German and Austrian immigrants were recreating their schnitzels with what products they had on hand. Wow. Yes, and we and we have the uh, country fried steak here locally. Yes, uh, which is again a cousin to all of the above. How do you make your country fried steak? Because Johnny so, P has been wanting one lately. Well, it's the same thing. You pound out the meat as flat as you can, and then bread it like you would chicken. Yeah, so you can use bit. You can use pork. What? Oh yeah, pork, 
cutlets, you would call them, or beef, or chicken. I love a chicken fried uh, a chicken fried chicken. <laughs> I love to pound out a chicken breast and chicken fried, country well, fried, whatever you want to call well, it. Well, it sounds – why did I go to Austria for all that? But it's a very meaty country. Mm. Everything was right. about boiled meat and sausages and many, many sausages and frankfurters. Ah. Not hot dogs, but no. the frankfurters were uh-huh. indeed very skinny and long and can also be served as a snack. And not served on a bun. Not served on a bun, but served with a dose of mustard. Mm, of course. Love that mustard. And I brought you I brought you some a big old bag of fresh paprika. Oh, well thank you. Which is used in most of the food over there. Last me the rest of my life. <laughs> You have enough to share. Unless you're Austrian or Hungarian, and it might last you, you know, a couple of, a couple of months. Well, thank you so much. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy to have this paprika. Well, I, I, I knew you would. Now, be. what about this cake? Okay, the cake. This is a soccer tort, and it's the most famous dessert in Austria. The most famous cake. Austria is known for their pastries and yes. their cake. And the soccer tort, and you spell it S-A-C-H-E-R. After the hotel. After the hotel, which was named after the chef that came up with the tort many years ago. In fact, it was in 1832. His name was Franz Soccer. Franz Soccer. And all my life, I thought it was Socher, but it's Socher. Well, there's it's a C-H soccer. in there, but yeah. then again, it's not English. So. Yeah. But uh, Franz Sacker was asked by the Prince of Austria, Prince von Metternich, mm. to prepare a special dessert because the official court pastry chef was sick. Mm. And uh, so this is what he prepared. Uh, it became famous all over the world. The original recipe is protected by a trademark. Trademark. Tra- <laughs> I knew you'd like so that. So you can't, you can't make this? No. You can't use their you recipe. Can, you right? can. I mean, there's oh, so no, many you can make it, but yeah, not, versions yeah. of, of yeah, what, what makes theirs exactly special. But it's two layers of a spongy chocolate cake with apricot jam or cherries mm. between the layers. Well, we and were you're tasting, tasting both. That's the cherries, yeah. Cherries. And the apricot, yes. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's just one big old hunk of chocolate. It's a nice, dense uh, cake with this beautiful, fruity flavor and then this... Amazing uh, chocolate. Uh, yes, and it was top. packaged it in a beautiful, beautiful wooden seal. box. Yeah, that's the seal of the soccer hotel. That's amazing. What what a prize! For so us. is the soccer is the soccer cake? I guess in America, uh, apple pie. Well, uh, yes. Okay. It, it, it is to the Austria. Quintessential it is American. to Austria what. Apple pies to America, but also apple strudel. The strudel in Austria is what apple pie is in America. The the strudel is also, you know, really really big. Okay. And I'm really big for <laughs> eating you know, <laughs> eating all of these. So you, you ate know. well. I ate well. Uh, I told you I'm hoping no customs agents are listening in. <laughs> and because you transported. I transported fresh sauerkraut. Oh. Nothing says love <laughs> in my family. I meant the people sitting next to you were No, uh, it was annoyed. under it was underneath in a metal a metal suitcase. I I didn't mean to do this, but 
I was, you know, just gooing and ooing over this big barrel of fresh sauerkraut in the markets, the street mm-hmm. markets. And I said, oh, I wish I could take some of that back to John. So the Turkish, Turkish merchant starts piling sauerkraut in a bag. I mean, like scooping. And I said, no, no, no. I'm going on an airplane. He said, no problem. <laughs> no, you know, no problem. No problem. Uh, you know, they have the uh, a vacuum seal, vacuum seal. Uh-huh. And so I made him unscoop it. I, I, I really thought I would just leave it at the hotel. I was kind of stuck buying it. But I brought a three-pound bag of oh, fresh sauerkraut to John. Mm-hmm. I brought the lovely chocolate cake to you. But John couldn't have been happier, and I made him choucroute garni, which is a sauerkraut-based dish with juniper berries and different kind of sausages, you know, cooked into it. Did you bring those sausages back? I did not. Okay. I did those not. Those are local sausages. But, but Whole Foods right now is, is running a special on these European style Frankfurters oh, okay. and yeah and all those. So anyway, you got the cake, he got the sauerkraut. There you go. <laughs> Lucky us, Java. Yes, yes. Well, you know, uh, Halloween is coming up. When we come back from break, we're going to talk just a little bit about Halloween, and we've got a uh, Mississippian who's going to be on the Food Network tonight, I believe. Java, is that right? And a yeah, pumpkin carving contest. You talk about pumpkin spice. Yeah, you oh got boy, it. here's our chance. We're going to take a break. We'll come right back. We will revisit an email about fig relish and try to answer that question. Is it proper etiquette to attend a dinner party without bringing a gift, Carol? Negative. Of course not. We're going to ask you to stay tuned. Carol and I will be right back after this short break. Hi. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life's disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. You're listening to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Malcolm White with Carol Puckett, our international traveler who has returned to the Southern part of our country from a trip to Vienna, Austria, and uh, has been good enough to share lots of insight and uh, tasty bites for Java and I this morning. So we're on a roll. You yeah, no, are on a roll. We're good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Carol. You're yeah. so, I'm always thinking of you. You are. You're always thinking of us. Before I get off the gifts, Malcolm, I have one last gift for you. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> this is from one of our listeners, Rick Durden sent us boxes of wonderful cookbooks and uh, food criticism and food writing. He was clearing out his collection, and we are going to do something with these, maybe a lending library, or when we go on the road, we're going to do we're gonna some cookbooks. We're going to have book a book sharing, swaps. a swap. But That's what it is. I looked through the box, and I was so happy when I found this book by MFK Fitch- Fisher, <laughs> Mary Frances Kennedy Fisher. Yeah. And this rem- 
wonderful essays, Consider the Oyster. Oh, yes. This is a very famous Very uh, famous. And I just wanted to thank Rick Durden. Absolutely. And thank him for allowing me to share that with Malcolm. Uh, What a day for me. I've got this enormous package of paprika. I've been eating this beautiful soccer cake. And now I have an MK, an MFK Fisher publication, Consider the Oyster. It's, it's, it's my lucky day. All right, before we move on to a, a variety of topics, I did want to touch on the carving tips, uh, about pumpkin carving. It is that time of year. Yesterday on my walk, I happened upon a father with three ch- children sitting out in their driveway carving away. And I thought, you know, this is the season uh, in which we are about to launch. And so it's Halloween this weekend. And some of the tips that uh, <clears throat> we have for you about carving, if you are interested in pumpkin carving, is start with a fresh, not bruised up, flat bottom pumpkin. It'll make your life easier if you can come up with one of those. So I can just see people at their farmer's markets or stores rolling the pumpkins on the floor to Looking get the flattest. Looking for a flat bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's, that's critical. And it, Java, is, thank it, is, you. it is true. Thank you. <laughs> Scoop out all of the pulp, the yucky stuff, and then some. So don't just take the pulp and the seeds and the mush out. Dig a little bit of the meat out, too. Dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. To keep your pumpkin fresh, you use petroleum jelly around the cut edges to seal in the moisture. Who knew? I mean, who ever heard of that? I, I, I think these are such great tips. Because if you don't do that, then it will dry out and get kind of cracky. Yeah, it kind of shrivels up yeah. in the pumpkin. Mm-hmm. And finally, my favorite, because we are pumpkin spice obsessed yeah. on this show, whether we want to admit it or not. It's, it's sort of a, a standing joke with us. The final one is sprinkle some cinnamon inside of your pumpkin if you light it up your jack-o'-lantern with a candle it will make it smell like pumpkin pie love I mean, it drop the mic love it that's a great one i would really be interested if our listeners have any tips on pumpkin carving as well one other thing i touched on just before the break was that mississippi's very own pastry chef renee larang laranger Laranger? That's it right there. Laranger. Sorry about that, Renee. We'll be on tonight on the Food Network uh, going for the grand prize on the Halloween Baking Championship. Now, Lorraine is the pastry chef uh, of the Casino Magic in Bay St. Louis. And she she's back after a second-place finish last year. But tonight we'll find out if she takes the top prize. We takes love it. the pumpkin. We, <laughs> that's right. We love it when our good Mississippi folks shine on the national s- stage. So we want to wish Chef Renee lots of luck tonight. All right. So, Carol, uh, you know, it's coming around holidays. I mentioned first it's Halloween, then it's Thanksgiving, and then lo and behold, it's Christmas. So we, we, share, we love sharing holiday stories. And, you know, last year I think it was we were on the cover – of the magazine called uh, Fine Tuning. Fine Tuning, and we sh- you shared a magnificent holiday story. So we're asking our listeners to share their holiday stories with us so we can share them with the rest of our audience. And, and I can't believe they haven't asked us to be on the cover this year. But, <laughs> but October is not, it's not, uh, you know, not over yet. But one thing that kind of caught my attention this morning was a conversation I was having with Java during break, 
we were talking about what is the perfect gift to bring right when you go to someone's house for dinner or another entertaining function and we a- answered the question do you bring a gift and we we said yes. yeah if you if you can and what sort of gift is appropriate i guess is the next question why don't you start well back in the day i would always carry wine it just seemed to be the most fitting thing to do um and most people enjoy wine, and uh, wine is, is quite the rage. And so that would be sort of what would be my go-to. And these days, uh, I tend to uh, think about a dessert or a sweet cake, pie, pastry, that sort of thing. Java, what did you say to me during break about wine? Well, everybody, you know, doesn't want your box wine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything about box wine, <laughs> but but that it. But um, there are different, so many different varieties and and, and flavors. Um, but you know, some people just aren't um, you know purveyors of wine. They don't like it or don't want it. So I, I was the, like the number one question. I guess that is the number one gift. Yeah. But the next question is, if they don't want wine, then what is a proper, you know, dinner party thank you gift? Mm. Flowers. 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 Java, what'd you come up with? Um, I saw something on the suggestions was especially with it being around the holidays, like a a tree ornament. Tree or, ornament. That's a that's a really mm-hmm. great idea. Or yeah. something kind of decorative to commemorate the season. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's real good. You know, my go to gift and I and I really think that gifts don't have to be expensive when you, you know, go out go mm-hmm. to somebody's house. I love to take a condiment. Does that uh, uh, surprise you, Malcolm? A sauce, a dipping. I've given you many a sauce. I love a good Carol and I never met a condiment. We didn't. You like didn't it. like That's it. True. That's never. true. But it's it's always fun to take somebody like an unusual jar of mustard, mm-hmm. or um, I think I gave Malcolm last time we were we were cooking like a black pepper mustard squeeze bottle sauce. It was something was you really know really great. unusual or. We had a pineapple habanero glaze that went on pork chops. It was great. We yeah. put it on a pork chop. Because either it's going to be really good or it's going to be really bad and becomes topic of But either way, it becomes topic of conversation. <laughs> it does become a topic of conversation. <laughs> so for our listeners, if you have a favorite gift that you like to take to people's homes uh, when you are invited over for dinner or for a gathering, all you got to do is pick up the phone and dial us toll-free, one 8 Seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and share with us what sort of gift you think is appropriate when dining uh, in your friends and family's homes. And now we had an email, Java, about green figs, which I thought was fascinating. Right? Yeah. yeah. Last last week was our drive show, and uh, and Carol was out, but we did get this uh, this, this email. Um, last week and it was talking about what to do with green figs uh because of this because of the crazy weather this year i'm wondering what to do with a bunch of green figs that look like they aren't going to ripen before the first frost i was thinking i could make some sort of relish or chutney but i'm wondering if i can suggest if you can suggest other options it goes on and says he had a good uh crop of jerusalem artichokes this year so he loved hearing about the artichoke relish um on a previous show and then he was thinking that um you know maybe he could do a fig relish 
with the figs that he already has. And so I did just some brief research. Our main researcher was out of the country. So I did a, just a quick search of <laughs> green figs. And, and, and it was revealed that th- there is a Mediterranean tradition of making green fig preserves that they actually sort of I sort of say relish the green fig but either way so that's one option and then we we found that there is a great recipe Carol uh, from our friend Julia Reed who who adopted this this particular relish uh, recipe for making fig relish well I always love any time we talk about Julia Reed who is sadly no longer with us and one of gra- Mississippi's greatest Entertainers, and oh, yeah. I love thinking of Julia with with green fig relish. Yeah, she. Uh, I guess Java, you found this recipe. Was it in one of her books? Well, it was actually from I think uh, a writing she did with the New York Times, uh-huh. and um, like you said, it was adopted from uh, from another. From, from a, Jeremiah Tower, I from, think. Yeah, from Jeremiah Tower. Um, but I, I thought it was really neat because we were talking about green fig relish, and then next thing you know, Mississippi's own Julia Reed <laughs> had the had the recipe. The second item in the ingredient <clears throat> recipe is eight large, fresh. It says ripe mission figs. So I think you can do it with green as well as ripe. That's yeah. our, that's our take for for this show today. You can make them. They can make a relish out of those green figs. Now, I have never eaten a green fig. Carol, have you? Yes, I have. And? There's some figs that are uh, ripe when they're green. In fact, it's um, maybe called a honey bell. Hmm. And uh, they had some at the Mississippi Farmer's Market. Do you know about the Mexican figs? Negative. The little small ones? Negative. Someone was telling me about those. I'm going to dig into that. Uh, and see what we can come up with. But that's our uh, answer to our listener. Uh, make make a relish uh, out of, and we can post this recipe, Java. Yeah, we'll put it up with the uh, with the podcast. Okay. Yep. So uh, if you have questions uh, about anything that uh, you're curious about, anything we can help uh, figure out, we're here to, to to do that. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. We get emails. Uh, we also, uh, you call from time to time, and we appreciate that. I was thinking the other day how fortunate we are, Carol, that we have these, the three legs of this show. We have the live broadcast, we have the podcast, which many people consume us via the podcast only because yes. they, they can't make the nine o'clock Monday morning gig. And then we have our Facebook page. Our Cooking and Coping Facebook page, and that's how we communicate with a lot of you. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a break right here. Uh, We'll come back. We'll continue the conversation about making things out of green figs if we want to or what's going on in your kitchen. We appreciate it if you uh, give us a call, 1-877-672-7464, or shoot us an email at foodmpbonline.org. Carol and I are going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White with Carol Puckett. Java Chapman's here as well. And we got a caller on the line. We always love hearing from you if you have something you want to share, a recipe, an idea, a question even. Today we go to Louisiana, somewhere in the great state of Louisiana, and our caller is Timothy. Hello, Timothy. What's up? Good morning, y'all. Just a reminder that a, a pumpkin is a vegetable and can be served savory as they do in Africa. 
Mm. You know, yes, with indeed. meat. And, and know, I love I, a pumpkin I'll, soup. I will send you my recipe that I got from my second and favorite wife. Uh, <laughs> I lost her 38 years ago to oh, cancer. I'm sorry. Oh man, I tell you what. I, but I remember every every day, and I, you know, and this was one of her favorite dishes. One of my favorite dishes that she cooked was a Botswana um, pumpkin stew. Ooh, with man. With the meat cooked on a grill and then put into the side of the pumpkin to finish cooking. What, what sort of meat do you use, Timothy? Oh, uh, well, Botswanas are big on beef, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what she always used, and we always barbecued, you know, or actually grilled the meat on a charcoal grill before putting it while the, while the, while the, the, while the, you cut open the, the pumpkin, you dig out the seed, you put a stick of butter in there and put it in the oven, wrap okay. it up put it in tin foil and put it in the oven. While it's baking, you cook the, you cook the, um, the meat, wow. let it rest a little bit, dig the, 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 uh, pumpkin out of the meat, out of the meat, out of the pumpkin, and then mash it up real good. Mm-hmm. And add some uh, saute some onions and such, and throw that in there too, and then blend it all together and put it back in there. Oh, half a cup of cream goes in there too. Okay. Well, uh, I'll send you the recipe. Please send us the recipe. That sounds delicious and very appropriate for the season. Yeah, and I'm looking for a good pumpkin soup recipe. Anybody that has one out there, really appreciate it. Well, consider this: it's an you know, it's an American. It's a new world vegetable, but it is popular in Africa. Think about that. Oh, boy, yeah. Well, that's great. Timothy, thanks so much, man. Internationally. We appreciate you listening, as always, and we do appreciate it when you take a few minutes to call us and share what's going on in, in your culinary world, in your yard, in your kitchen. We, all, we were talking earlier about pumpkin carving, and we, a listener, Mona, call, uh, sent us a text and says— That's Mona Nicholas. Mona Nicholas from the International Ballet Competition. That is one and the same. This is her uh, pumpkin carving tip. Cut a hole in the bottom, flat bottom. Cut a hole in the bottom, too, so you can put a lit candle in in place first, then lower the carved pumpkin down over the lit candle so you don't have to put the candle inside. That's a great tip. Great tip. tip. So you, you not only cut the top open to get to the clean out you cut the bottom for for the candle i like that and don't forget to sprinkle the cinnamon inside to get the pumpkin spice flavor spice flavor thank you mona that's a great tip all right we got another listener from all the way up at kosciuszko mississippi tj hello tj hey how y'all doing today good you every time every time y'all say something about relish a mouth waters (laughs) You're our kind of guy. That's right. Yeah, I just I, I just slobber on the barn floor. <laughs> That's terrible. Well, have you got a favorite? Yeah, a couple of years ago, my sister, I mean, she knows I'm a I'm a good pepper eater. She brought me some red pepper sweet relish made by the Amish. Yeah. Have you had it? I have not, but I'm I'm writing it down right now. Yeah, and she bought it in Jackson. Okay. Yeah. And I'm just, uh, what, what do you think's now, in it? 
it's uh it's it's mild red peppers like uh I don't know what kind of peppers they are and it's a sweet relish and you can put it on a tennis shoe and eat it. I, I, mean, I just <laughs> well we may try that uh, but no, no I'm going to keep my uh, eyes open for this relish it's and it's it's an Amish relish made local it, yeah it's it's Amish and uh. They sell it in Jackson, and Sunflower and Kosciuszko is selling it now, so I'm like, whoo! You know, I was gifted some last year by our good friend Peggy Sprayberry in Pass Christian, Malcolm, yeah. and she made it, and it had actually red and green peppers, and yeah. was absolutely delicious. I did not put it on my tennis shoe, but... Mm. You saved it for your pork, and I, yeah, or your peas. I, that's what I, I actually put it. Uh, served it with pork tenderloin. See, I guess that. Yes, she did. Well, thanks a lot for uh, listening to Deep South Dining. We appreciate, appreciate you, t- man. We appreciate you taking the time to call and share with us about relishes. We love a good relish here. That's that's right. for sure. All right, so Carol, we're. Um, as we close in on Halloween, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, foods that, that people have fear of foods. Uh, and sometimes they're kind of funny and sometimes they're not so funny. So we, we have this whole list that Java found here uh, of food phobias, uh, people who fear certain things. Would you like to take a uh, crack at pronouncing some I of will, these? I will certainly try. Okay. I try to parentheses. I put a little... I like that Java. I guess not phonetic, but Javanetic <laughs> pronunciation. First of all, I have none of these phobias. I'll start with lacanophobia. 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 Mm-hmm. Fear of vegetables. And I, that's a real thing. Uh, yeah, all of these are real. They may sound far fetched, right. but I mean, we're not talking about dislike yeah, of vegetables. No, no. It's it's like fearing the artichoke. And people have to take supplements to mm. get their vegetables. Like, you know, it's a real thing. <laughs> now, the next one would have frightened anyone who walked in the studio this morning. Yes, because it is chocolatophobia, mm, fear of chocolate. chocolate. It would have made someone run from the building. Because of the soccer cake. Yes, and there's another uh, chocolate cake out there. Okay, now this one is hard to pronounce. And I do believe this is a very real one for some people. Okay. Magaricophobia. Magaricophobia. Fear of? Cooking. Boy, that would be bad for you or I to have. It would really be bad, but, you know, some people are just terrified to cook. I don't know if it's a fear of failure or Mm. uh, fear of fire. Right. But either way, it's real. And the last one, uh, goodness gracious, this would do us in. This would do, especially you, uh, dibnophobia is the fear of eating out. The fear of going out to to dinner. Hey, speaking of which, I went to the new District Donuts the other day around the corner from my house in in Bellhaven. And uh, it's primarily a donut place, but they also serve beer and sliders. And Hap Owen had told me. That the sliders were magnificent. So last Saturday, before the, all the football games came on, I just walked around the block, two blocks from my house, went in and got a bag full of sliders, and they were delicious. What kind of sliders? I got uh, chicken. They, they had fried chicken sliders. They're, they're um, thigh, chicken thigh meat. I got regular burger sliders, and uh, there was one much. I forget what the other one was. But anyway, I just got a whole assortment of sliders. Well, I think that's great that you can get both donuts and sliders. 
So, hey, uh, now look, yeah. we have what some we calls. All right, from Goshen Springs, Mississippi, just up the road, we've got Jesse on the phone. Hey, Jesse. Morning. How are you this morning? Real good. You? Uh, doing just fine. Uh, got interesting questions for you about. Uh, I want your thoughts on cooking with MSG in replace of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, just a general general thoughts on it uh, because I've tried uh, recently started cutting salt seriously from my diet and using MSG in its place. And I just want your thoughts on uh, on it and using food uh, and cooking around here. Okay. Well, well, appreciate your listening and calling. I'm, I'll just say this, and then I'll let Carol sort of dig a little deeper. I remember when I first got in the restaurant business, MSG was the rage. Uh, all it was sort of the secret ingredient, and people put MSG in everything. It was supposed to be a flavor booster. And uh, and then it fell on hard times, and people quit using it. It, it was found to be uh, not acceptable. No, it was. It just was knocked off the planet for a while. It was in so much Chinese, uh, you know, Chinese food. Right. But now it's back. It's back. That that was my point. It was quite the rage. It fell in disfavor, and now it seems to be back. So, in terms of a substitute uh, for for salt, Carol. Well. You know, MSG is a flavor enhancer, like you said, a flavor booster. Mm-hmm. And it brings, you know, we've talked about that word umami, right? which is a savory taste. Uh, MSG kind of makes your food blossom. It mm-hmm. makes, it brings out flavor much like salt does. When you put salt, it brings other ingredients, other flavors to the forefront. So in right. that way, it is uh, like like salt is it intensifies the the taste of food so that's a great question and uh something for us to scratch our heads over a little bit further maybe talk about later but we have had several people uh, throughout the history of, of our show carol who call and are looking for substitutes for salt and sugar for dietary reasons and so th- those are really hot topics and uh, probably a much digger a deeper dive would be in order Perhaps down the road. Perhaps, okay. yes. That's amazing because my MSG experience is like you said, Carol, with the Chinese food, and everybody has no MSG. Right. So yeah. a, they actually put it on menus. Yeah. yeah. No MSG. Because and it, MSG has been linked with, they call it Chinese restaurant syndrome. Oh, my goodness. So we've got to got to dig a little deeper yeah, more We'll, we'll into do some that. more research. And, Jesse, thank you so much. But for, it's used in lots of stews and sauces and stocks. Okay. We just, you know, now, do you have sure. any in your pantry? I don't. I don't have it in its pure form okay. in MSG, but it's in a lot of products. Do you remember it's mono? Gl- I'm trying to think of what it's monosodium glutamate. Monosodium glutamate. So sodium is in there. So anyway, we'll, we'll do more uh, digging, and uh, we'll we'll talk more about uh, MSG as a salt substitute. Chick Fil A uses it in their product. Well, there you go. And there's a line every time I pass a Chick-fil-A. Something's going on in there. I don't know what it is. All right, another caller from Florence, Mississippi, on the phone. We've got Wayne. Hey, Wayne, what's going on? Good morning. I have a condiment story. The, uh, Bring it on. <laughs> last weekend, it was a week ago Saturday, I was watching a football game at Tennessee and Ole Miss, and uh, the end of the game, Tennessee fans started throwing water <laughs> bottles and, and golf balls and 
everything down the field, and and the announcer they zoomed in on, and somebody had thrown down a bottle of French's yellow mustard. Yes, they did. And that guy said, uh, the announcer said, now, now who would bring who br- uh, a bottle of, of condiments to the uh, to the ballpark? I said, talk to myself, Malcolm and Carolwood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that, that, that was my first thought. That, Wayne, that is a fabulous observation because I watched that happen. I have seen all the memes that have been created around the mustard and Tennessee fans. I saw one that said, next week, Tennessee fans are coming after you, and they're bringing, bringing their, their mustard. mustard. Actually, there were some pictures on Twitter that somebody, you know, zoomed into the crowd at the Tennessee-Alabama game, and there was, you know, a jar of yellow mustard. But I thought a lot about it, too, and I was visualizing a woman carrying French's mustard in her purse. Right. And you, know, you have to have clear bags in stadiums now. Yeah, I, I don't know how they got French's it mustard in her purse to put on her hot dog. Well, maybe it's because she's a purist. Maybe yeah, she does maybe they, she doesn't think they put enough mustard on the or hot dog. Or the dogs. right kind of mustard or any mustard at all. And you know, speaking of of uh college football, and and memes. How about the corn dog situation with Katy Perry and LSU? I mean, it's everywhere. I, I missed that one. In, yeah, in, in I form, missed that. Well, when Katy Perry was on Game Day, which broadcast live from the uh, yeah, okay. in Oxford, she said something about, and I may have this ever so slightly wrong, something about the LSU fans smelled like corn dogs. And wow. she held up a corn dog. <laughs> and so now there's all these pictures on social media on Ole Miss, particularly Ole Miss LSU weekend, with people holding up corn dogs. So I may not have that exactly right, but it's the second college football food meme. Uh, wow, Malcolm. In two seasons. So, no, Katy Perry was probably like three seasons ago. Anyway, we sure do appreciate you calling, Wayne. That's a good one. You've gotten us uh, on a, a condom roll here. Condiment roll. All right. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. We're going all the way to Mobile, Alabama now, and Mikey is on the phone. Hello, Mikey. What's happening? Well, I'm hanging on the condiment uh, <laughs> train here. Uh, <laughs> Good. I got a bunch of habanero peppers that come off of a plant that looks like, well, it is. It's about to be a house plant again. That's how prolific they are and how wonderful they are. I'm thinking, you know, y'all were talking about gifts, gifts and things. This is the season, I mean, it's also the season for tailgating and stuff, where right. there are a lot of hotheads out here, and I, I include myself in that. Um, uh, whether you eat meat or fish or w- drink wine or whatever, you know, it's like, um, it's all good. Um, the other thing is that the citrus is coming in. Right. And uh, in, in, uh, not... not yet, as far as I know. I haven't checked lately, but it's, uh, it should be getting pretty close. And you can make wonderful sorts of things. If you look up the recipes, they're pretty simple. They're non-toxic. Um, they're easy to do. Um, for making home cleaning things and or home, uh, you know, food. Now, you got to remember, you got to have a different standard for food quality stuff. It's, it's versus cleaning stuff when you're putting it in a spray bottle to spray it on something. Mm-hmm. But those should make, I'd be happy if somebody gave me some. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, and thanks for the great show. I'm happy you're giving me some. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening, and we appreciate it. When you call and report in from Mobile, Alabama, just got a text from our North Mississippi correspondent, Chico Harris, is texting me to try to clarify the corn dog. Uh, situation and Chico would have firsthand Chico knowledge. Chico would know like no one else would know. He knows where the best fried chicken is. He knows where the best hamburgers are. And here he says a sports writer from Auburn started the corn dog slash LSU thing, and Katy Perry just joined in when she was on college game day, and it just from there it went went viral. So anyway, there you have it. That's the way. That's the way we roll. Now, as we approach Halloween, Carol, we're going to talk a, just a little bit about haunted restaurants. Do you know any haunted restaurants or buildings where? Yes, Helen Mouse in Jackson, <laughs> Mississippi. Right. The upstairs of Helen Mouse. My yeah. brother used to swear when he would be in the building alone that people would be upstairs moving law books and furniture and things around and. He would tell anybody who would listen that the building was haunted. So that's one. There's another one in Natchez, I think, is which is the oldest eatery uh, in Mississippi. That would be King's Tavern, Malcolm, would that be? That would be King's Tavern. It was uh, built as a, as a tavern, an inn, and the city's first post office. Uh, but in the 1930s, a skeletal remain was found of three bodies, two men and one woman. And they were found hidden in a wall behind the fireplace. And, of oh course, gosh. that's spooky and would would make anyone scratch their head. Now, that place had been opened as a um, – recently reopened as a restaurant and a um, distillery. Do you know much about that? I really don't. don't. I, I, re- I haven't been there in a while. Oh, you know, for a few years, I actually – Worked at that down there frequently, but hadn't been lately. Hadn't been to Natchez lately. Yeah, Natchez people, let us know what's, what's going, going on. on. I know there's a lot going on because uh, the, the you know they still have their festivals and there's a, several new restaurants. We'll have to do kind of a focus on Natchez, which is Mississippi's original creative economy. It was it's like one of the oldest establishments uh, in the state, along with the Gulf Coast, Biloxi. Ocean Springs and such, and, and I think it's well deserving of a road trip. Hey, for now you, that we can actually me, move around Java, a I want to go to Fat Mama's and have a tamale pie. How about you, Java? Oh yeah, we went there when Felder was on the road, and Fat Mama's tamales is a Natchez destination. <laughs> well, when you were there, did you have a Fat Mama's knock you naked margarita? I plead the fifth. <laughs> Java was working. He can't he talk working. about that. Oh, sorry about that. Java probably got some of the mix to take home. I know he did. Yeah, not. you know. And, and, a com- and a commemorative cup. <laughs> and a t-shirt. <laughs> That's great. Well, Carol, welcome back to America. We're so glad that you're, you, you've returned to us from Vienna. I'm so glad I got to go somewhere. And I'm so proud of William Walker. I uh, hope that he'll get to uh, conduct and be in Jackson before the year's out. And thanks for bringing this magnificent cake, the soccer cake from the Hotel Soccer in Vienna. So Next time I'll bring sauerkraut. Sorry, sorry that I dispensed it all. Well, we're not going to notify the authorities that you smuggled sauerkraut into the country. <laughs> the only time I was really worried was... When all the bags came off of the <laughs> turnstile, and they have those dogs walking around, mm, crowd sniffing dr- yeah. dogs, <laughs> the, dr- the drug dogs. 
you could easily be. <laughs> they were gonna they were gonna get you, Carol. <laughs> well, happy Halloween, everybody, and thanks again for joining us here on Deep South Dining. Carol and I had a blast. Java, thanks so much. And oh yeah, no problem. I'm glad, um, Carol. It's a true sign of a, a good friend is you come off of a trip and you bring delicious goodies. Yeah. Not not the magnets or the or the shot glasses <laughs> yeah. from the from the from the from gift the store. Yeah, from the airport gift <laughs> yeah. store. Like, oh I forgot no. these like no, you 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 planned and you I uh, planned, I planned and I walked all over <laughs> central Vienna looking for For the cake. For the cake. The cake is outstanding. And, there we go. And this 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 box that it comes in is a prize too. Uh, wooden box. Did you go to the hotel, or did you find it in a market? I did. I actually went to the hotel and got it. Tell you know much about the hotel? Well, I ate dinner in the Red Room, Ooh. so I did learn much about the hotel. Did you have Wiener Schnitzel? I had Wiener Schnitzel indeed. <laughs> and goulash. And goulash. <laughs> Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from folks just like you. Thanks. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Puckett, I am Malcolm White. Stay tuned now for Marshall Ramsey's show, Now You're Talking, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And join us next Monday right here at 9 o'clock for Deep South Dining. And check out our Facebook page, Cooking and Coping. And we'd love to hear from you. And if you can't catch the show live, download the podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on Deep South Dining from MPB Think Radio.